The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by SR3 Rescue Concepts. Because you don't know what you don't know. Is your agency or company looking for helicopter training? Or maybe someone to come audit your program? How about a standardization and safety check? Or maybe just an annual FAA refresher? Look no further because SR3 Rescue Concepts has what you need. They are here to help your program succeed, to keep you up to date with the current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is top-notch, with certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crewmen that can provide training in rescue, tactical, and firefighting operations, as well as night vision goggle use and more. As part of the Petzl Technical Partner Program, They can also provide personal protective equipment inspection courses and training on the highly specific Lazard made specifically by Petzl for helicopter use for cliff rescue operations. Another great advantage of SR3 Rescue Concepts is they go beyond the helicopter world. They have training programs for high angle mountain rescue and their tactical medicine training program, which is structured around fundamental training for tactical combat casualty care and tactical emergency casualty care. To top it all off, they offer a safety audit program, a third-party review, fact-based and unbiased, to ensure any operation is functioning as safely and efficiently as possible. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Again, that's sr3rescueconcepts.com and over on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. That's on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. You just make sure when you send them a message, you tell them Quinny sent me here and they will certainly take good care of you. I'm super pumped about our next guest coming up. Uh, I'm happy he came on and decided to do the podcast with me uh, just because he he's He's been fun, and, and I, we always sit down and enjoy his stories. We laugh. Uh, so it's been a blast, and I, I'm so blessed and happy to have him here with me. His name is Brian Lobenstein, United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 318. And we were down in working together in the Gulf of Mexico, and kind of a funny story about Lobs. He was our operations boss at the time, ops boss, and we had made – Uh, a group of us had made up kind of rules of operations and we had rule number six and rule number six was something that had been delayed and we just, it was like to be determined. And then it changed to from, from Lob's words of wisdom. And then eventually a couple weeks later, sure enough, we got something going on. Somebody made a comment and Lobo goes, gosh, don't be a prick. Boom. Rule number six was made, and rule number six has stayed forever the same. Don't be a prick. So please welcome my next guest. Psyched to have him here, Brian Lobenstein. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is the Real Rescue Podcast. Brian Lobenstein, Rescue Swimmer number 318. Thank you for joining the Real Rescue Podcast with me. 
Uh, dude, my brother, man, you, you and I have been back and forth. We grew up in uh, Massachusetts together, but we never knew each other because you're from real Boston and I'm from like central mass. It doesn't really count as Boston. So every time <laughs> I say I'm from Boston, you're like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for coming on with me, Brian. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. So uh, just uh, do me a favor. Can, can you introduce yourself to everybody out there and, and everybody that's going to be listening to this and tell everybody about yourself? Well, uh, my name is Brian Lobenstein and uh, went in the Coast Guard. I was uh, stationed uh, at uh, Chatham uh, lifeboat down the Cape. I was a uh, non-rate. So that means like, I clean the boat and I uh, do and all the bathrooms. The, yeah. And, you know, have to do the, the heads and you have to stand a radio watch and, and uh, you got to get seasick about 20 times. <laughs> and, and uh, the, so anyways, make it, I'll try to condense everything. So when we got, I, when I got to in Chatham, I was on on the forty fourth footer. And Chatham, for those people that don't know, was in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Right, and it was the uh, they had uh, two uh, surf uh, boats. You know, we we go out and go out do some training, and get in in some of the waves, and you got to hook up to uh, there's a cable that goes around the boat, and you have to hook your harness to it so you don't go under so you don't fall out of the boat when you hit a big wave start rolling over oh, no it, yeah it, it goes the boat goes over so um good, good to start a so, coast guard career yeah so anyways i always got seasick and and we're, we're coming back in and uh the h3 flies by and which is the older helicopter version the h3 right. yeah the h3 and uh they would fly over us and when we're doing training is for cover. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, uh, I was like, you know what, this being tied to, a, a to, to, to this cable, that's, that's <laughs> the only thing that's holding me in here. And it, we, we did one, one roll and I said, you know what, I'm going up there and because so, I'm looking at these guys and they have the box lunches and they're hanging out with their legs out on the, on the, um, you know, where, hanging uh, out on the helicopter, just on the, the helicopter. And, and these guys had their box lunches and I go, I got to get into aviation. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my God. That's a good way to start. Was, I tell you what, Chatham was, was really cool. The, uh, ONC was a, a real salty guy, Jack. Um, ONC uh, is officer in charge. So I, uh, I gotta, I'm going to just help out with a little lingo yeah. for those. Anybody that's listening, that's like, oh, what the heck's an yeah. OIC? Yeah. Officer in charge of that unit. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Salty dog, real, old real school. Salty dog, all yes. salty dog. So, um, and, and, and I got in all kinds of trouble when I was in there. When I first got in there. Come on, Lavo, not you. What are you talking about? Oh, me? Yeah, right? Listen, yeah. we're not going to talk some of those stories, which we have in the past, which I love. Yeah. 
No. So. I don't want you to incriminate yourself right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I learned how to do a boatswain's chair on the uh, lighthouse and how to pull yourself up with the rope. Yeah. <laughs> with a little board about this big. <laughs> <laughs> so you're sitting on this little square of like piece of plywood. It's our little rectangle. Yeah. With oh, a rope and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, anyways, so, <laughs> so anyways, I um, put my name on the uh, rescue swimmer uh, uh, school. And <clears throat> so I put my name on it and uh, we had a, 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 the XPO, He's like the executive petty officer. So that's the second guy in charge. So you have your OSC, which is the officer in charge, and the XPO. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, yeah. So the XPO, he was, he was a tool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that's so, always good words to hear. Executive petty officer, the guy in charge, and he's a tool. <laughs> sorry, well, if he's listening. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Had a couple of those. Whatever. But, uh, yeah. So, anyways, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I got uh, my name on the list of uh, rescue swimmer school, and um, the XPO. He's like, "You couldn't. You can't do that. Those those uh, swimmers, man. They swim like four miles out to the." to the boat and they tow it back with it and they had the other <laughs> boat stuff and I'm like yeah I'm gonna do that and the guy's like there's no way you're gonna be able to do it man that, that those are crazy guys and I'm like sign me up <laughs> dude that yeah. is awesome so then you go to swimmer school and I went to swimmer school yeah uh, butch flight was my uh head Head teacher. Well, you know what's funny about that is Butch Flyth was my instructor as well. Yeah. That's just, I mean, I, I can't, I'm looking forward to getting Butch on here too, but yeah, Butch was one of my instructors. Yeah. And he was a hard ass for us too. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? They like to punish people. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they were really good. They were, we had really good, uh, we had really good instructors. Yeah, uh, us too, for sure. Uh, yeah. All right. So you make it through server school. You get to your uh, your first your first unit was in where after summer school? Hawaii. So you went to Barbers Point, Hawaii. Yep. And then from there you went to where? I went to Cape Cod. So Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And then from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, you went where? Yeah. Oh, I went to Mobile, Alabama. Yep. Um, now, after Alabama, Mobile, where'd you go? Cape Cod. Back to Cape Cod? Yeah. That's awesome. And then after that, you went to Wait. New Orleans. No. New Orleans. Uh, Louisiana. And that's where you retired yeah. out of, right? Yeah. The, um, that's a good Jeff case. Tunks, that's a good... Jeff Tunks was my um, chief. Oh, you know Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> yeah. The Bluebird. That's awesome. I like Jeff. Jeff's a good guy. Yeah, Another brother. Yeah, awesome, man. That's, that's a good career. And then you and I, uh, we ended up working together uh, down in the Gulf of Mexico with another private company and and doing offshore medevac stuff. And actually, kind of a side story. So you and I, this is one thing that I remember with you and I specifically is 
it was you, me, and uh, Dustin Bernatovich, Bernie. So it was, yeah. all right, so it's you, me, and Bernatovich, and we yeah. get launched out. We got a full swimmer crew. I'm hoist operator, you're paramedic, and he was a swimmer on scene. And we show up on scene, there was a hoist in, I'm dropping you in, I'm sending uh, uh, Bernie in. You guys were doing CPR for like 20 minutes as we're doing patterns up top. And we ended up having to transport the, the guy back to uh, somewhere in Louisiana, passed away. It was like one of those one of those cases that didn't never end yeah. well. For us, it was, it was, it was, I remember a, that one. yeah, it was a wild ride. That was, um, God, we did, we did, and you and Bernie were working down there. You intubated the guy on deck. He had already been worked on. Uh, gosh, that was a, that was a rough case for all of us. And, you know, yeah. like it easy, like it wasn't a hard case, but it was one of those ones that you leave there like, man, I wish we could have done more. Cause we were on our way. If you remember, we're flying out to another medevac and then that came in and we were 15 minutes from being on scene. That was, oh, we couldn't get any better to be on scene time. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, well, I'll tell you what, Brian, I want to, I want to touch on four cases that you have specifically. And then after that, the floor is yours and you can tell me any, any stories you want. Uh, so I'm going to read this out, man. This is one of one of your big cases, the first of many, or I don't know about the first of many, but definitely one that, that, uh, that we're going to talk about. So it'll be number one. Ready? Okay. Citation to accompany the award of the Air Medal to Brian E. Lobenstein, Aviation Survival Technician, Second Class, United States Coast Guard. Tadeusz Lobenstein is cited for meritorious achievement in aerial flight on the evening of 24 September 1998 while serving as a rescue swimmer of the United States Coast Guard helicopter 6014. The air crew is engaged in perilous rescue of two hypothermic survivors trapped in a small ledge 150 feet down in a narrow rock quarry in Quincy, Massachusetts. Combating a blinding shower of ledge of jagged shale, pebbles, and sand produced by the 860 rotor wash, Pediasa Lobenstein successfully navigated through the daunting maze of trees, cables, pipes, and steep overhangs in complete darkness. Communications and signals to the 860 were nearly impossible to do uh, due to the deafening echo of the helicopter noise and the black abyss created by the quarry's overhangs. After being turned upside down and falling 20 feet into the water with the survivor, Pedro Lobenstein decided that the conditions were too dangerous to make more than one rescue from the depth of the quarry. Using sheer strength and determination, he supported the weight of both survivors in an exhausting ascent to the relocation point 30 feet above where he could affect more normal rescue. Holy cow. Becoming entangled in repelling lines that nearly pulled the victim out of his arms and served in the midsection of the other, Pedro Lamasine forcefully overcame the frantic struggle, struggles of the survivor and cut his way clear with his rescue knife. With the worst over, Pedro Lobenstein flawlessly executed the relocation plan and skillfully completed the 190-foot hoist of both survivors to the helicopter. Pedro Lobenstein's actions 
aeronautical skill and valor were instrumental in the rescue of the two survivors. His courage, judgment, and devotion and duty are most highly commended with the keeping of the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Holy God, dude. So this is, first of all, a 190-foot hoist? Dude, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's ridiculous. That was crazy. So what, all right, so what do you, how did you, what, what was the call that came over the, the what was the SAR alarm that, that when it, was, it goes off um, and they announce it? Do you remember? Um, well, we, we were just coming back from another, another case. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so anyways, the pilots, they're like, um, they, that we got a call and, um, we were on a, we, we just got back from a medevac and they said, Hey, uh, they need you guys on, um, uh, up and towards Boston. And the two pilots didn't know like where they were. <laughs> so I said, yeah, we, we gotta, we, we gotta go to the Quincy quarry. I know exactly where it is. <laughs> we can jump there. Yeah. It's a bonus and, part about being from mass. You're like, Oh, I know where that is. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, we did all, we got that. So when you get on scene, what, what's, what's, I mean, I. I... So when we get on scene, we get uh, above it. We, we yep. do a couple of uh, uh, circles. And um, so we had to have uh, like all, everybody's looking out the windows because to get over into the, um, into the quarry with the, uh, hoist for both survivors to the helicopter. Yeah. So that one there, the pilot, uh, and I, I still, I, uh, still that pilot I had was, was awesome. So basically they came in with the, uh, H60 and they said, okay, we're going to, um, low, low, low you down and, um, and get this kid. And, no, what what happened? Oh, I, I want to back up real quick. What happened to yeah. this kid? Like, uh, did he did he fall? Did yeah. he jump? And no, see what happened. They put these like uh, uh, chain link uh, fences. You know, like you just stick them up. They're not really going. And then they have like a a cable around uh, that that they knock in uh, the cable in the qu quarry. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways. Um, these two uh, goofy um, uh, rope climbers um, were got stuck up themselves. There was like two kids, two girls, and a boy. And the boy, he went over the, um, he crawled, he he went down, and then he uh, um, was trying to go down and show off for the for the little girls and stuff. Yeah, and he missed his handhold. And, and that's how he fell. Yeah. Holy cow. So um, okay. One, okay. Kid, one kid died. Oh, he, God. He, yeah, he lost his head. Literally. Like, literally. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so if you, if you could... Uh, like this is the abyss. <laughs> so you, the the best this, round, this round hole in the earth. Yeah. With, and so, it's three. It's three hundred feet to the water 
from the top of the cliff, like the top of the court. Well, it's, it's a long way And then way we, had, we had uh, uh, trees all around the, the quarry. So we had oh. to come up and the, the pilots were like, we can't get, we have like six inches before we hit, we start hitting trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh man, we, we, we can't, if we hit one of these, uh, you know, they're not big branches, but you know, yeah. enough to do it. Put, put so anyway, they like, said, all right, all right. So, so now you're on scene, you, you're seeing this and, and they, they're starting We're to hoist you it. in. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So you're on scene. Yeah. Yeah. The pilot's like, uh, well, what, do, uh, what do you want to do, Lobs? And I said, uh, well, we probably want to, um, uh, we, we're not going in there twice, you know? Yeah, so then he said, oh, okay, Lobs, you know, what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to, uh, uh, what was his name? Gingrich was uh, um, my mech. Okay. And so he, he lowered me down, halfway down, and the, um, uh, oh, it was, I'd, I'd say it was probably about 20 feet and they were just hanging in on that cable and the guys, they weren't, um, they weren't uh, really helping us, <laughs> you know? Holy and then, uh, so anyways, they, they said, uh, listen, you, you gotta have to, you gotta chuck the rope and uh, we'll bring you up, but I won't bring you up until, um, you, you get off that rope and we'll go up in the cable, you know? Yeah. And uh, so went up there and uh, that, that was, uh, that was crazy, man. <laughs> did, you, did you have to like, so that's what it says. Like you had to cut away the ropes with your rescue knife to get the, yeah. the, the guys out. So they're all freaking out kind of on you and you're yeah. going up to put them in. Would you, would you use a basket or the quick strap? Oh yeah, I, I put the uh, quick strop on them. And then cut the rope and then you're getting hoisted out with them. Right. Holy cow. So the, the guy that fell and you were like, did you literally pick the guy up and walk him up 30 feet? The, oh yeah, this is why we, we couldn't get in tight enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they had the rope and everything and the guy yeah. didn't want to let go of their rope. And I said, well, this is, listen, this is the only, only train in town. You want to come up or you want to climb, jump back in, you know, oh my that's gosh. exactly what I said. He came up there and, um, and we, we got those two guys and uh, we uh, got them in the aircraft, calmed them down and went to, uh, brought them to, uh, to Mass General yeah. and brought them up there and, they uh, and they were like, we're never. I'm I I'm getting rid of my ropes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Dang man. Mm. That was a good one. Oof. Well, I, I, on that, I'm I'm gonna go to number two. You ready for number two? Number two, we're doing an air the medal. second air medal in lieu of of gold star oh, in lieu of second. You ready for this one? I can't yeah. wait to hear this one too. All right. 
Citation to the accompanying award of the Air Medal, Gold Star in lieu of second to Brian E. Lobenstein, Aviation Survival Technician, First Class, United States Coast Guard. Petty Officer, I'm going to call you Lobo. Just pass a Lobo. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Pedestal Lobo is cited for meritorious achievement in aerial flight while serving as rescue swimmer aboard HH-60 helicopter 6001 on the night of 03 November 2005. Responding to a duress call from a 55-foot fishing vessel, Sea Witch, Petty Officer Lobs, the flight crew, through the darkness, low visibility, and 55-foot 55 knot winds to reach the distressed vessel. Disabled and taken on water, the Sea Witch V or Sea Witch 5 yeah. is being tossed about severely by 20 foot waves, approximately 100 nautical miles northeast of Cape Cod. 20 foot seas. Dude. The boat's erratic movement made the direct hoist from the vessel's deck impossible, and the vessel's captain advised that the life raft was torn and would not inflate. Without hesitation, Lava volunteered to deploy into the dark and raging seas to recover the crewmen as they abandoned the ship into the frigid water. Demonstrating incredible courage and determination, he fought his way through giant seas to reach the first survivor, who was entangled in several lines that effectively tethered him to the sinking vessel. The dude is stuck, oh my God. Reacting quickly to save the um, imperiled fisherman, Lava heroically struggled to cut the lines while keeping the combative victim's head above the surface. When he finally had the survivor untangled and secured into the rescue harness, Lava recognized the man's survival suit had filled with water. In mid's hoist, he retrieved his survival knife and carefully cut the ballooning suit, allowing for safe recovery for both he and the survivor into the aircraft cabin. Undauntedly, by the harrowing and tiring evolution, he deployed twice more to successfully rescue the other two survivors, each time being repeatedly dragged underwater by the crashing waves. Petty Officer Labo, actions, aeronautical skills were instrumental in the saving three lives. His courage, judgment, and devotion and duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the U.S. Coast Guard. Dude, this case is insane. 50 knot, 55 knot winds, 20 foot seas, a sinking vessel, and they're in Gumby suits in the water. Are you kidding me? This was this pilot I had. Yeah. This is he. This is the first flight of him being the, uh, uh, the pilot in charge. <laughs> he was, he was like, like, come on, you, we can get this. We, we got to get these guys and we can't leave them out there. You know? Wow. I gave and you're a hundred nautical the, miles offshore. You're, you're like, that's not, that's not just a stone throw away. You, you're, you're out there. Yeah. We were, um, we were out past, uh, George's bank. Oh my God. All right, so I, I got I got a couple questions with this. Yeah. So you uh, dark and stormy because it's a nighttime mission. It's it's the one. This is a type of case that everybody talks about, like the dark and stormy night. Cases don't come like this in good weather and daytime. It just doesn't happen. It's always at night under right like, terrible weather. So you guys are getting your butt kicked on the flight out there, and then you yep. get there. Twenty foot seas, the boat sinking. 
uh, you know, erratic movements in, in all directions. So were you guys radioing down to the captain to ask him to, to throw the survivors in the water? Yeah. To, to jump in? Yeah, okay. Yeah, there was another boat there. And um, the guys from that other boat, um, they, they tried, yeah, they threw their life raft next to the other one. So they were like two boats there. Yeah. And the other boat is like, hey, these waves are too big for us. We got to head in. Uh, good luck, guys. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, that's how uh, those guys uh, started go getting back out there. Wow. Uh, yeah. So now uh, you've got you've got guys in the water and you, did you uh, just get lowered? So you got lowered down to the water, disconnect from the hoist hook and you're swimming over to them. Yep. Um, the, the first fisherman you got, it, so he's in a Gumby suit. So the, a Gumby suit is just that, it's a survival suit, really thick neoprene that everybody jumps in to basically stay warm and alive in really icy cold waters. Um, I know we had to deal with a lot of that up in Alaska with guys in gummy suits and stuff. So, yep. so it, as you're hoisting them out, like, did you notice the, all the water that was in the suit or how, how did that come about? We, the, the, the mech sent the uh, strop down and they, they put the strop around them. Yeah. And as they were pulling them up, they said, uh, um, they, they pulled the guy up and they were having a hard time trying to get him into the cabin because he was the, the suit was full of water so you're at so, the cabin door at this point so you're 50 feet off the water right holy cow so now you can't get him inside the cabin of the aircraft well, you know what I did is I, I we got him up there and yeah. got him um and the mech pulled the guy in there and he's still full of water. So I, I said, Hey, just hold the back of my, hold the back of my harness. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, so I grab him and we're pulling him in and pulling him in. And uh, I was like, Oh, hold on a second. And I said, took out the knife. I said, I've never used this first. <laughs> 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 and what I did is I got his Gumby suit. Yeah. I sliced off the um the the foot yeah. part of it and and all the water went out and like the 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 hero was like, whoa, there's a lot of water in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like a wave of water inside the cabin of the aircraft. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, that's nuts. So after that you went down and then grabbed the other two guys again just getting your ass beat up by the water by the waves crashed waves yeah i, I got some good waves <laughs> that that was like if i had a boogie board i probably could have made it to gloucester <laughs> <laughs> from 100 nautical miles out i'm rolling home on a boogie board that is sick oh my god dude yeah. jesus all right next one right. you ready all right your next big case You've had a lot of them. So yeah. citation to accompany the award of the Meritorious Service Medal to Brian E. Lobenstein, Aviation Survival Technician, First Class, United States Coast Guard. Petty Officer Lobenstein is cited for the Meritorious Service in performance on duty 
on 17 October 2009 while serving as a rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard Rescue Helicopter 6540 during the rescue of three survivors of a capsized recreational vessel in Lake Pontchartrain, Louisiana. Reported overdue, the small vessel had overturned in the lake's heavy, wind-driven trough over nine hours before the Coast Guard helicopter arrived on scene. During the second assigned search, Petty Officer Lobenstein alertly spotted one of the survivors waving, directed the helicopter into position, and quickly deployed into the water. He then expertly triaged the three survivors, which included a father and his two sons. Determining the five-year-old son was unresponsive with no vital signs, Petty Officer Lobenstein adaptively decided to hoist a severely hypothermic father and the boy opting for the rescue of the teenage son by a nearby surface asset. Recently trained in pediatric CPR, Petty Officer Lobenstein began specific resuscitation techniques and rescue breathing on the five-year-old boy while in the water. After the hoist of the two, Petty Officer Lobenstein cradled the boy and continued CPR. As the aircraft touched down at the hospital with the boy's pulse restored, Petty Officer Lobenstein carried him into the hospital where a 15-person emergency medical team continued to care. Demonstrating superb mental fortitude and physical stamina, Petty Officer Lobenstein rescued the boy whose core temperature had dropped below 81 degrees, five degrees below the considered compatible with life. Petty Officer Lobenstein's courage, judgment, and devotional duty are most heartily commended in keeping up with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Dude, this is insane. So you're telling me, like, you get on scene, three people in the water getting blown around, and Lake Pontchartrain, for everybody that doesn't know this, like, if you look at New Orleans, Louisiana, on a map, Lake Pontchartrain is just north of that big, huge lake. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, the only thing I remember about Lake Pontchartrain is there's one bridge that runs the entire length of the lake. And when you get to the middle of it, you're like, wow, this is a really long bridge. Yeah, 28 <laughs> mile. 28 mile bridge. Yeah, sick. Straight up ridiculous. So all right, let's back up to the beginning with this story. So you're on duty. You get called out on a, an overdue vessel in the lake. Yep. We went out. We actually were going out for another boat on you know you have that that big long uh bridge yep so the um there was a helo that was um on that other side of the bridge so there's actually two helicopters doing a search right and then wow they said they had us um slide over to the other side of the bridge we did uh a couple of tracks uh searches and um uh, where we were, you know, going back and forth, we were, you know, getting low on fuel. Um, of course we are. Um, <laughs> Why wouldn't we be getting low on fuel? Yeah. 60 yeah. miles. Love it. <laughs> yeah, fuel, fuel hog. Um, <laughs> and so I said, hey, let me uh, sit on the, um, the raft. So if I want to see if I can see anything. So I get on. And the mech's like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, and then the dolphin, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a nice uh, little, the seat's about this big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's all of like a foot and a half. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
we did a couple of searches and slid back over this way. And I was, I was saying to them, well, if the wind is going this way, um, why aren't we on that side of the bridge? And so we, we slid over and then we slid back to the, um, to the bridge. And then we, 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 we get over there and I'm sitting in the, in the door, you know, hanging the, uh, the, my feet out and stuff. And next thing you know, is, um, the, uh, I'm looking down and I'm like, is that a, is that a, a basketball? And it, it looked like a basketball. It, it was like a basketball or they, my kid must've had it in the boat. So anyways, I'm like, Hey, I see something down there, you know? And, uh, they're like, uh, all right, well, here, let's go down and let's see, see what's, uh, what, what that is. And, um, they're like, Hey man, we're really low on fuel. We're really low on fuel. I said, all right, well, just get me close and I'll, and free fall. So I free fall and there, but right in front of me, you know, maybe, maybe from here to the, the street in front of the house. So and, uh, you're talking, uh, what, like 10 yards, 15 yards? Uh, probably, probably about, I'd say probably swim about, about 50 yards, 50, 60 yards going to him. Okay. So yeah. now the dad was so uh, hypothermic. He, he oh, was, gosh. he was like blue. I'm like, all right, dad, you know, we gotta, um, um, I'm going to get you in the, in the helicopter first. And uh, so <clears throat> I put him on the, the dad on this with this uh, strap, strapped him in, yeah. brought him up and, uh, and, the teenage son, uh, I got him, and then um, the the little kid. Uh, he was, uh, I think he, the kid was like five years old. Oh he, wow! He was like five years old. He yeah. They were in the water for like something like uh, sixteen hours or something. Holy cow! Yeah, and they were like. Uh, I was like, oh shit, you know, I had just, I, I was um, like in my, in the paramedic school at this time. And uh, so anyways, I uh, said, I, and I just did, uh, I was in the part of uh, my training of uh, pediatrics, uh, pediatrics. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, uh, I started pediatric CPR. So on the way from the time you got him out of the water, no vital signs, no pulse, not breathing. Like if it hadn't been for you, the kid was dead. Right. He was dead. I mean, it was like minutes. Like, yeah. like this kid is going to die. And I knew, all, I knew the, the doctors and everything. So I told, called my friend Patrick and I'm like, we're coming in hot. Yeah. These people are real bad, real bad. And we're coming in. So, so you're doing C hold on real quick. So you're doing CPR on the aircraft and with, and this kid's cold. So he's got a core temperature of what did it say? 81 degrees that that's cold. Right. And you it's, bring his pulse back. You, you, right. you bring him back to life. Literally. He's, he was, he was going to die. He was dead. And you brought him back to life on the way. Dude, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. 
And then you roll up into the hospital with a 15 person ER team. And I know what it's like to roll up into the hospital with that. I mean, heck, you and I have done that where we land and we're offloading patients. And all of a sudden you've got a storm of people around you to take care of this. You know, you, we yep. are one guy going down to the water doing triage. And then you show up to like a 15 person team. It's like, well, here you go. Yeah. That is, gosh. Well done, sir. Well done. God bless. Let's see. What else is, is in there? That's it. <laughs> you, you know what? I, I got to ask you, like, yeah. see, you, you're done with this case. Like, and and I, I know how it is for me when, when I get done with a case and, and you go back to the base and then you like, you sit back in the chair, you might flip on the TV or, oh. or just, yeah, breathe it out. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. Dude, what, what is going through your mind after this whole thing was done? Just like ops normal or what? Yeah, um, yeah I was on duty. So, so you're just, you're going back? Okay, back. Time, time to get ready for the next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, that's awesome. Jeez. All right, my friend. Well, I got one more that I want to touch on. And that okay. is your kind of, I'm going to call this the big one. Okay. Um, so you and I together have experienced the, the distinguished flying cross. So um, I, yeah. I was, I, I don't know if you want to call it lucky enough to earn one or blessed enough to earn one, but you and I were in situations where we earned it and yeah. there was no doubt about it. Um, so without further ado, I'm, I'm going to get right into it. So citation to accompany the ward of the distinguished flying cross to Brian E. Lovenstein. Aviation Survival Technician, First Class, United States Coast Guard. Pedestal Lobenstein is cited for extraordinary heroism while participating in an aerial flight as a rescue swimmer aboard H-60 Helicopter 6042 on 13 November 2003. Responding to a distressed call from the sailing vessel Lady Samantha that was disabled 150 nautical miles off Cape Cod, Massachusetts. The aircrew fought 85 knot wind gust to locate the vessel being battered by massive seas. The vessel frequently rolled until its masts were in the water. The wild, wildly swinging rigging made the direct hoist from the vessel impossible. The sailors tried to abandon the ship into their raft, but the howling winds parted the tether to the raft and they quickly disappeared downwind. The aircrew then ordered the sailors to enter the raging sea one at a time so they could be hoisted from the water. Undaunted by the massive 50-foot waves and 75-knot winds, Petty Officer Lobenstein instantly volunteered to enter the water. Demonstrating incredible courage and determination, he was lowered into the top of a wave and immediately fought his way through the massive breaking seas to reach the first survivor. Connected him to the rescue strap and signaled ready for pickup. Through a remarkably skilled effort, the entire crew, the first two rescues were completed in only 20 minutes. During the third rescue, the survivor slipped out of her flotation device and was in imminent danger of succumbing to the frigid waters. Without hesitation, Petty Officer Lobenstein went back into the raging sea, reaching the survivor just as she was about to go under. Because she had no flotation, he feared Losing his grip, 
in place of the rescue strap around her, instead relying solely on his strength. And he applied what's known as a physical grip, which for all of those that don't know, it's you're just basically holding on with sheer strength. So a physical grip recovery method that, and raised her 70 feet to the helicopter through 75 knot winds. Oh my God. He had been unable, to, had he been unable to maintain his grip, she would have fallen to the water and perished. On the fourth rescue, complete darkness had fallen, obscuring the uh, approaching wave crest. As Petty Officer Lovenstein was lowered into the water, a massive wave broke on him, burying him beneath the tons of foamed water. For a tense 27 seconds, the wave held him below the surface until he was able to fight his way up for air. Undaunted by the harrowing experience, he continued with the mission to rescue the fourth and fifth survivors. But Officer Lovenstein's actions, aeronautical skill, and valor were instrumental in the rescue of five persons. His courage, judgment, and devotion to duty were the most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Oh my God, Bri. Dude, this is insane. Dude, 80, 75 knot winds, 85 gusts, like just getting there. 150 nautical miles offshore. Yep. Dude, all right, so so walk me through. You get on, I mean, you get on scene and you're staring at a, at a sailboat that's basically just rocking and rolling over 20-foot waves. That's, that's, that's a wave that's bigger than my house. 50-foot waves, waves and 75-knot winds. 50 feet. That is insane. That's huge. And now you're watching the mast of this sailing vessel basically roll almost – probably well you figure it's it's probably 80 degrees based on the, based on the waves that it's smacking the wave and then going to the other wave and then going to the other wave so the mast is just going back and forth rigging getting flown around all over the place yeah that's crazy i got uh there was two guys three females and um the captain of the boat and the boat was they were it was a sailboat it was a 60 60 foot uh double masted sloop and oh, uh, oh this is a big boat this is a big boat and uh i mean it it, it got destroyed i mean it, it was just insane and uh i had uh some I had some video, uh, a CD about on it, but it's, I don't have. Uh, no worries. This, yeah, you know, <clears throat> but um, yeah. So the first person you get, that, so you, you get down to the water and you pull the first person out. Are you using a basket or quick strap? Oh, a rescue strap. And so you're doing a double up, right? You and the victim yeah. get pulled yeah. out of the water. All right, so now the next one. I, I want to get to the next one specifically, uh, or sorry, the third one. So the third girl. So you get the first two, no problem. 20 minutes, you know, organized chaos. You're in the water. You get them out, boom. The third one. Yeah. Dude, you, you are basically bear-hugging this girl. Yep. For 70 feet from the water to the helicopter. Right, and it was windy too. 75 knots heck yeah that's windy yeah we'll go like I, I think the the limit for a hoist off the top of my head on the 860 
is 80 knots. Like, so five more knots of wind and, and you can't hoist. That's, you're not supposed to, mainly because the hoist can't handle it or the aircraft. Yeah. So now you're, you are, you're bear hugging this girl. Yeah. From 50 foot waves, 70 feet up to the helicopter. Dude, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, you can't make that up. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So what, wow, dude, wow. And then once you get her to the aircraft, now she's in the helicopter, you're in the helicopter, you gotta go back down and get two more. Now it's it's getting dark. So you, so twilight uh, for everybody that doesn't know is, is that it's only about 20 minutes. It's not maybe right. 30 minutes of time. It's not a very long time. You know, it gets sunset and then you have that 20 minute fade time and then boom, now it's dark. Well, the 20 minutes you talk, they actually talk about it here. It took you 20 minutes to get the first two people. Then the third person, now we're really getting dark. Now you got to go back. When she gets in the aircraft, you got to get two more. So you get down to the water, you get hit by a wave and it pulls you under. Doof. Like this wave, like, you know, like when you're boogie boarding. Yeah. And in the, that curl, when the curl starts to come. Yeah. When that curl came up and I came up onto that wave and it was, I was like, holy shit, that's a big wave. <laughs> I, I, exactly what I said. I said, this is a pretty fucking big wave. So I said, no, I'm going to swim into the wave, down yeah. into the wave, and then come back up. And I still got sick, but I didn't die. <laughs> then I popped up again. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I got a good uh, like a whiplash on some of these wave on some of these waves like that fifty footer. Yeah. It, it, so when you uh, when you popped up through that wave after getting like held down, oh, you're okay. like, oh. yeah. So uh, I'm in I'm in the wave, and um, and the wave was the the second. I think there was two or three wave good size waves. Yeah. And um, and, and it 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 crested. So I. Uh, see the captain so I dove down and uh, next thing I know I look up and I'm like hey I found I, I found the captain <laughs> I grabbed him I grabbed him by his feet and pulled him down so I could get up and get some air oh my god so you're drowning the captain so you can get her hey you know what we do what we got to do that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know, reading this brand, uh, there's no way that just anybody does this. You're talking about going back in every time. You're like, you're, you're looking at 50 foot waves and you're saying, yeah, okay, I'm going to go back in again. And then again, and then again, and then again, you get your ass handed to you. And then I, dude, that's awesome. So when you guys got back to the air station, you know, cause it had to be at least a 30, 40 minute flight to get back. Oh, we were way that we were, 150 like nautical miles way up so you, you're on your way back how how was the flight back just um it was bumpy <laughs> <laughs> of course it was oh yeah. my god that's awesome oh yeah. man and then uh so when you land is there is what, what was it like when you landed everybody gets off coming oh to the yeah shop, you know like when we, la when we landed on that case 
Yeah. They, uh, all the news media was there. Wow. Wow. Dude, that is insane. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And then you actually, so you, this case specifically uh, took you further because you ended up going down to D.C. to represent for this yeah. case. And uh, you had mentioned to me earlier um, that it was the commandant at the time, right? That, yeah. Yeah. And then you, you got to take your dad with you? Yeah. So I said, hey, dad, I got to go to this thing. And um, and I said. And this thing yeah. being an award ceremony. So yeah. it's not just cut that short. It's an award said, ceremony yeah. for Brian Lobstein, who just kicked ass and saved five people. 150 nautical miles off the shore of Cape Cod. Like, well done. Yeah, they have the, they have, uh, what is it called? The Coast Guard Foundation? Yes, yep. You probably are on it. In it. Uh, I don't know about that one, but. <laughs> <laughs> so they did a full award ceremony and you got to bring your dad. Yeah, and he's like, a, um, he, 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 he was pretty, um, stoked you know especially then because he's like uh once he saw uh collins <laughs> <laughs> so this was something else like your dad and the commandant of the coast guard um admiral tom collins they grew up next to each other they, they, yeah they grew up on the same street and so that's crazy and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like hey hey tom hey lobo and you're like hey i how do you guys yeah. <laughs> It was funny because when we were, we were in there and um, my, my dad uh, saw um, Collins and they started talking and then Collins is like, okay, come on, we're going to go in this room. And, and they, you know, they had drinks and everything in there. And, and, uh, and the guy, the guy, there's another, another guy got their distinguished flyers cross was um, F Foreman, um, uh, Dave Foreman. Dave Foreman. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. went through all the oil and everything. Remember, off of North Carolina. Oh yep, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get him he, on this podcast he was, too. He was on this um, at, at the uh, the same uh, this the same uh, award thing. Yeah. 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 Nice. Me and Dave and uh, my dad <laughs> and that uh, was cool. Oh my gosh. Lava, these are insane. These, these are incredible. Well done, sir. Well done. Oh, thanks. Like I said, thank you for, for allowing me to interview you and you sharing all these stories and stuff. I, I very much appreciate it. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're the man. That's all there is to that. All right. So, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later. Yep. And, and thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute and as my daughters like to tell me all the time, like and subscribe. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. So I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story and would be willing to share it, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else here that we talk about, please send me an email at therealrescue at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. Or you can also check us out on our Instagram page at therealrescue, and that's at T 
T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. And for all of you standing the watch today, remember when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, stay safe out there, everybody.